You are listening to Crawl Space on the Crawl Space Media Network. If you like this show, you'll love Missing, which is also hosted by us. Missing started as Missing Maura Murray, and now it continues raising awareness for all missing people. And we also have an entire network of shows you'll love. Check them out at crawlspace-media.com. Hey guys, we're really excited to announce that our live show in Boston with True Crime Obsessed is back on for July 31st, 2021. It was originally scheduled for March of 2020, and that didn't happen. So here we are. Right. We all know how it went down when we were all together in Brooklyn, New York, way back in October of 2019. And then the world stopped. We were not able to get together with our friends at True Crime Obsessed, Jillian and Patrick. Also, Maggie Freeling will be joining us. We got the band back together at the Wilbur Theater. You can go to thewilbur.com for your tickets. And if you had purchased tickets to the previous shows, current ticket holders, because of the venue change, your tickets will be refunded. And then you'll have exclusive advanced access to purchase tickets to the new show. You should have received two emails, one confirming the refund and one with the link to purchase the new tickets. And of course, True Crime Obsessed covers true crime documentaries. And in this show, they cover the disappearance of Maura Murray oxygen documentary that Lance and I were a part of. See you at the Wilbur. Welcome to Crawl Space. I'm Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? I am doing outstanding today, Tim. Weather's beautiful. Had a great weekend. How are you today? I'm doing all right, and I'm doing great because we speak with Amanda Shirley, who is a repeat guest, and she is great, Lance. She is tough as nails and has been doing an incredible job advocating for her brother. And we had her on about a year ago, Lance, back in June of 2020. And we spoke to her recently, just last week, on Get Vocal, our Thursday night live show. And it was a delight. And so this conversation comes from that, and it's cut down a little bit. And as always, we say these conversations from Get Vocal, if we share them here, they have a slightly different vibe because it's a live show and it's at night. Yeah, and it feels a little bit looser. And, you know, we're looking at people. We're looking at our guests on the Get Vocal screen. When we first saw Amanda come on, she had this look of relief on her face. And, and I mentioned it to her that she just looked like she had this energy about her. And, and it turns out she's got a reason for that because they've made some developments in her younger brother's case, developments that she fought for uh, for years and, and finally has some movement and has something to be positive about. And you can just see it on her. It's great. All true, Lance, and DJ Ficky was killed on October 3rd, 2016, and Amanda has been fighting diligently since then. Last time we spoke to her, the case was officially ruled a suicide, which, as you'll hear, things are a little different now. But Amanda knew that her brother would never kill himself, and also with the forensics of the scene itself, it just didn't make sense how it all came together. It didn't make sense how someone would be able to shoot themselves with a shotgun at that angle, which was clearly at an angle of someone standing above and behind him, pointing down, which was ridiculous. And she did fight hard to get this officially changed. 
She sure did, and you'll hear all about it. She's been speaking with the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, county authorities, and things like that. So it's uh, it's been a, quite a journey for Amanda, and um, I hope you enjoy the episode because we really enjoyed talking with her. And for more information on Amanda's cause and DJ's case, go to justiceforDJ.com. And if you want to know how you can help, you can sign the petition, you can donate to the cause, you can buy the merchandise. And you can also just sort of join the discussion in the whole thing. And that's right there on the homepage. If you scroll down, you'll see all the links that you need. It's been far too long since you've joined us. Um, I got to say, you're looking good. You're looking healthy. You're looking good. Uh, how are you? How are you feeling? Yeah, I have a lot of, I guess you could say I have a lot of stress and worry and weight that's been lifted off of me here in the last few months. It's a lot better now than it was six months ago, but um, we, we're, we're progressing slowly, but, you know, we're still waiting around. It, just in case, you know, nobody had, knew the news uh, last August, they changed it from a suicide to undetermined. So that opened up a door for us that they could possibly reopen the case. So we met with the DA in January. It went well. It could have, I could say it could go better, but I think it went well. He understood. He had an open mind because we have a new DA now. So I'm not going to say where it's going. I have to keep it to myself right now, but things are progressing. So that's what the reason everything's been so much better. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And you said it didn't go exactly how you wanted it to go, but it's it when has when does anything ever go exactly how anyone wants it to go in any situation? I mean, you're you're one step closer. And GBI is the uh Georgia Bureau of Investigations, that's correct. They're the ones that changed the the uh the cause of death. Do you feel like they they're going to go the extra step with that? And I don't know if anybody is unfamiliar with what we're talking about. I don't know, should we give like a little quick background of it? My brother DJ was shot and killed it was called in from the boyfriend as a suicide and when law enforcement showed up on the scene they just went with that they didn't treat anything other than a suicide they didn't rope off the crime scene they didn't take any fingerprints they didn't do evidence tags they didn't do anything they let people come in and out of the home um supposedly my brother shot himself with a sawed off shotgun he was right-handed but he was shot right here in the cheek lip area at a downward angle and while he was shot he was actually texting people begging for a ride out of the situation and we've got two witnesses that seen it happen but they're they're they 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 went with what the shooter told them happened so yeah that's about wraps it up (laughs) right okay and where we're at now is a change in the cause of death an official change in the cause of death because of the work and the tenacity of yourself that I would say really spearheaded this change um, and they now, now it's unde- undetermined it's undetermined right now undetermined basically when he called me and told me because it was the director of the GBI that you know had all this done and the funny story how it happened most people don't get a meeting with the director of a state bureau of investigation So I'll tell you how it happened. He blocked me on Twitter. I had a civil rights attorney reach out to me 
and tell me that he was violating my civil rights by blocking me being a government official that he couldn't silence me and for me to email him and ask him to unblock me and i told her i said well i don't have his email address you you can't get you know people that important's email address so she she found it and she gave it to me and i emailed him and i asked him to you know you you know you blocked me could you please i would appreciate it if you could please unblock me and he responded back with it wasn't my intention to block you i was trying to shut down the page my media representative just informed me that i had blocked you and of course i i went along with that and was like yeah play stupid okay i understand no problem things happen but while i have you here do you mind talking to me about my brother's case i said you don't have to talk to me. You don't have to talk to the family. I said, you can sit down and talk to my private investigator. I said, just hear us out for five minutes. And he agreed to a meeting with us. And when we met with him, that meeting didn't go good. I did not figure anything would ever come out of it. So when they called me, it was about a month later. Matter of fact, today is the one year anniversary of the date we sat down to talk to him. So um, he called me a month later and told me that they were changing the manner of death, that they had reviewed the entire case, and that in their opinion, they they knew that this wasn't a suicide. So they were changing it to undetermined. So that's where we're at now. Well, we're a little further than that now, but that's how that happened. But so yeah, I just got lucky because he blocked me on Twitter is how I got a meeting with the director of GBI. That's interesting. I have a quick question. So the civil rights attorney contacted you and said that he was violating your civil rights by blocking you on Twitter. That's really amazing because I didn't think that that would be a violation due to the fact that Twitter is like a privately owned company and they can pretty much do what they want. What was the basis of that? A government form of any kind, like a government website, a government, like a Facebook page, a Twitter page, any kind of government forum or media cannot block the public from voicing their opinions or reaching out to someone or commenting or anything like that. Wow. Do you think you were the first person to get blocked and then successfully like maneuver your way into making that a productive uh, effort with, with, uh... I don't think I was the first person that he's probably blocked. I think I was the first person that he blocked that, called him out on it because when he blocked me i screenshotted it and i blasted it all over social media so then people were sharing it and they were they were tweeting at him you know they were tagging him in tweets and stuff and media pressure works (laughs) yes and he unblocked you he's unblocked you since yeah i'm unblocked and And when he counts still there yeah when he called to uh tell me that the uh manner of death was being that had been changed he apologized to me uh he told me that you know i was thanking him for you know doing what he said he would do he said he would review the case and he did it i give credit where credit is due but he was praising me he told me he said no he said this was all you he said wow. you did this he said i apologize if i was an ass at our meeting and I told him, I said, well, I apologize if I was. He said, well, no, you had a right to be. It's your brother. He said, I was the one that did all the hard work, and I was the one that did all this. So he was giving me praise. But what's messed up about it is they said, I've got the statements where they have reached out to media when media has reached out to them in their 
you know, remarks or comments or statements. I have their statements that they made prior to this for the last four years that would say, it, it, you know, we're confident in our findings. The case is closed. We're not reopening the case. Versus now they're saying we're, we changed the manner of death to undetermined based on new information that was presented in the case. There was never anything new presented to them. Everything that they had, they had from the beginning. They just didn't take the time to look at it or read it or go over it. So nothing new was presented to them. Right. So that was just another way of them saying we were pressured into doing this, but we didn't want to actually say that we have to reexamine the entire case because of this. Yeah. And do you think undetermined is one step closer to an actual cause of death, which will be one step closer to an investigation and an indictment? There's no indication that they're just doing this to, to make you back off. Do you, do you think? No, no, because he, he, he told me, you know, he said that, you know, if it was if it was reopened, the case was reopened and if it went to a you know trial, he said the medical examiner would get on the stand and testify that she doesn't know that how he got, you know, got that shot, but a gunshot wound, but it wasn't from a suicide. I mean, he told me that she would do that. So the thing about it is, is the way it works down here is the the medical examiner is the one that, you know, determines the manner, cause of death, but, or the manner of death. Since the medical examiner says undetermined, it's now pushed back into the detective's hands for them to find out what the manner, you know, like what, what caused his death, what caused that gunshot wound. It's their job to step up now and investigate to find out that cause. It's been a year since uh, since that's been changed. So there's some stuff going on behind the scenes, maybe that's progressing a little bit, but um, but nothing publicly has changed since a year ago. No, nothing. I have not publicly released anything since we met with the DA in January. Things are going on. Things are progressing, yeah. and even even if that even if the things that we know that are going on if they don't work out or whatever i always have a backup plan i have people on standby ready to pounce you know i had to actually after i talked to the da i had to put several really big important networks of people on hold because i was like wait let's see what the da is going to do i don't want to do anything to piss him off you know or anything like that you know maybe they'll do the right thing so i've got a, i've still got people on sidelines ready to go you know to get more information out there to push even harder so i'm not going right. nowhere <laughs> who, do, who do you have when you said you had people on the sidelines i don't know why my head just went you. to like a <laughs> my 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 head went to like like a scene from a uh, a union movie in the 30s where it's like these people with uh, like scally caps on and like batons like hitting, hit, you know, like hitting their hands with their batons like waiting. Um, that's that's where my brain went on that. I've made a lot of connections, you know, since I'm out there everywhere and everything. And people know the truth of what happened in DJ's case because I put put it out there. They've seen it in black and white. And so my private investigator, he's a high profile private investigator. He knows people. I mean, I've made a lot of connections and there's a lot of people on my side ready to do some things. And I will just say that if, if things don't go well, DJ's case will be on national TV eventually. 
Yeah, no doubt about that. Yeah. That's great to hear. What kind of pressure do you plan on putting, if any, on the new investigator? Because you said there was a new investigator that's been assigned to it? There's a new DA on now. The, the DA, that last DA that was in there had been in office for 23 years. Funny story. He had been the DA for 23 years. The exact same day that DJ's manner of death was changed by GBI, he just ups and retires right then. He didn't wait till January to like go out of office. He retired that day. So yeah, I don't think that's a coincidence. Yeah. So uh, very upset about uh, DJ's case getting changed. Maybe. Maybe he thinks that if he's not in office anymore, that he can't be held responsible for all the mm. neglect, you know, and misconduct and negligence that they did on on his case. But that's not how it works. How soon did he retire after? The day of. The day they changed the manner of death, he retired that day. Wow. Wow. What does that tell you? I mean. Exactly. That's a pretty bold. That's not even like. I mean, maybe he was considering retiring at some point, but that was, I mean, clearly the deciding factor, the straw that broke the camel's back. I mean, and then two weeks later, two weeks later, the lead detective that's over all the investigators at the sheriff's department, he retired. And so it's like, what's going on? Everybody's getting the hell out of there, you know? Like, <laughs> so yeah, it's all new people there now. Jeez. It, it, it again another um another analogy or comparison i just had in my head it's like the end of shawshank redemption where they're storming the prison and the the warden's like nope yeah <laughs> nope i'm out like how fast do you have to make that decision like what is going on they had when they changed the manner of death the director of gbi had like a conference call with everybody on the phone. He had the coroner on there. He had the DA on there. He had the investigators on there. So he had the medical examiner on there. They were all on there on a conference call. And then for him just to up and retire that same day, I just, I don't believe in consequences anymore or coincidences anymore. I don't believe in them because they happen too often. Man, it's, it's so, it's so great to hear all of this uh, coming together and the, progress that is creeping along you know it's still an uphill battle um how's everything else going how's your family and and everything are, are you um my family's a mess i don't yeah. even talk about them <laughs> all right next topic uh, yeah well i mean i, I will uh, the kids are doing great you know yeah kids my mom's got custody of them so, um, they're doing great the girl matter of fact the twins birthday the youngest ones they turned six Saturdays their birthday party so it's just hard to believe that they were one and two years old when DJ was killed and now they're turning six and the oldest one is seven and so but they're doing good they're mean as hell they take after DJ sneaky and mean and those twins they're a handful oh my god they're identical twins so you can't tell them apart and they will lie to you if you ask them which one are you they'll tell you oh I'm a you know I'm Peyton and that was Paisley. No, that's not right. <laughs> but they're doing oh, really boy. good. Good. Yeah, they sound like trouble. They are. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that's a good defense. I had uh, several twins in my family and the identical ones. They always, uh, they can always trick you, you know, and they know, they know from an early age. 
Yes, and I tell my mom all the time, I was like, you know, the teachers, when they get older, those teachers are in for it because if I had a twin, you know, if I was good at math, I would be <laughs> filling in for my sister. If she was good at another subject, I'd let her fill in for me. They'd never know any difference. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, I, I feel like uh, I have this question. I feel like other people might have this question as well. Do they, do they know? Uh, how informed are they? about uh dj's murder we haven't went into real real big detail with them because they were so young and they're still so young they know that their daddy was killed and a bad man killed him and they know his name that you know we know a lot of people with this name so they know he's the bad one but they don't know the grim details of everything you know they don't know their mom was having an affair with this guy or anything like that they just know somebody killed their their daddy and do they know the fight that you're taking part in do they know that you're being you're you know you're the spokesperson for this i don't know if they're necessarily i I don't know if they necessarily know how hard i'm fighting or all that i went through or i'm going through i know that they see me i know the, the the older one jack he gets on youtube and he searches for his daddy and it pulls up podcasts and it pulls up, you know, YouTube videos. And so my mom's had to keep him off there because she don't want him to hear the details. But uh, he sees that I'm all over YouTube and all over stuff like that. And then every year we have the Celebration of Life Memorial for DJ where we do the Sky Lantern release. So and I, I built the memorial for DJ for, you know, for them to go to and everything. So. They see that I'm involved a lot in DJ. They don't understand what's going on. They don't know how the justice system works and all that, but they know that I'm a big part of DJ in his case. So right now you're kind of waiting to see what your next move might be? I'm not waiting to like pounce or anything like that. It's basically right now, it's just a waiting game to see what the DA is going to do. That's basically what we're doing. And how is this era of your time advocating different than like other eras? Like uh, I imagine it might be a little more frustrating because you're trying to be reserved in some way. God, I don't know what to do with myself because there, you know, 24 hours a day, I was sitting there advocating and pushing DJ's story. And I was on a podcast, on an interview, on a YouTube, on the news stations. And it's like, I went from that to just, hiding in a corner somewhere try not to say I, I've, i'm spending a lot more time pushing other cases i've been advocating for other other cases and helping people with their cases since i have been fighting for since dj was killed and i've been fighting for him i have noticed a huge difference in female victims and male victims male victims do not get the coverage and the media attention that they need and that they deserve and so I pushed a lot for male victims and things, you know, stuff like that. They tell me one day they were like, well, male victims, it happens more to females. That's why they, you know, there's so many. No, it happens just as much to male victims. You just don't hear about it in the news because they don't cover the cases. So I push a lot for male victims. And for me to be a, a woman and to push for, you know, men, rights and men's you know that just, that should tell somebody something because usually women don't do that they don't stand up for men you know but men have this they have been stereotyped i guess as just they're manly they're strong they're a protector and so people look at them as they're not a they can't be a victim and that's so far from the truth 
Well, I mean, you, you, you know, like, that's very foreign to me because I am a stone cold son of a bitch and no one's no one's making me a victim. So I it's all very foreign to me. Amanda, we have to say every day that Lance is the most manly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you mean it. But Lance, you know that if you had a stimulant in your body of any kind, you would be able to defend your thing. Even if someone walked up to you pointed a shotgun at your face and pulled the trigger. If you had a stimulant in your body, you would be able to defend yourself. Interesting. That's what the medical examiner originally said, because DJ had a stimulant in his body that he should have been able to defend himself. What, what, what kind of stimulant is like, he's going to, I don't want to sound rude, but what's going to happen? Is he going to catch the bullet? Like what in the world, how in the world would you do that? It's not, we don't live in a movie. Drugs do not make you Superman. They don't make you bulletproof. They don't make you invincible. I don't care what you have in your body. Nothing's going to stop a bullet. Lightning fast reflexes and he's going to like grab the gun. Like what? What? People have gave her hell. Have I released that conversation? It's out there where people can hear the medical examiner, the medical examiner's explanation on why she wasn't changing the manner of death, you know, years ago. And that was her logic. It it was her logic was well because he had a stimulant in his body, he should have been able to defend himself. Really? That's what you come up with, and you're a professional. That makes no sense. Mm-mm. Wait, that makes no sense. But the the act happened, right? Yeah. Just saying that doesn't make the act not happen. And if it's a suicide, why would you be defending yourself from a suicide? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. So, is it a suicide or is it an attempted murder? That that and he was supposed to be defending himself. Exactly. That he should have been de- defending himself. Wow. She she she's gotten hail from people all over the internet. <laughs> Everyone who's listening, think about your job and what you do for your job. And if you gave an excuse like that at your job, if you know you messed up and you gave an excuse like that. What would your boss do? Would your boss be like you're you're on probation, or or what would that like? How do you even get away with that excuse? I would think that if if you screwed up on a job site, something you did in result caused someone's death, you would be fired, and the company would probably bring charges against you. Know try to you know. They wouldn't want to be liable for it, so they would bring charges against you themselves. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I would think that's how it would work if you were working for somebody. Lance, I love summer because I love going to the movies. I love barbecuing. This is great. Things are getting back to what we used to remember them as, Tim, which is what we called normal at one time. And yeah, movie theaters, I haven't been yet, uh, have had a couple of barbecues, very successful, and it's starting to feel good. It's starting to feel good. It really is. The summertime has a different vibe. And Lance, if you want your brain to feel like it's summertime all the time. I do. Download Best Fiends. I did. What are you waiting for? I didn't wait at all. Well, good. It feels like taking a swim, doing a couple laps in an Olympic-sized swimming pool when you just play in Best Fiends, you just check out of your normal life for a few minutes and just, you know, 
hang out with the slugs and all the characters. You just dive right in. Dive right in. It's cool and refreshing and it challenges your brains. But I got to say, Tim, once you get started on it, you know it's so hard to stop because it's so fun. It really is. And Best Fiends is way more fun than the other matching puzzle games out there. And it's one of those games that makes 30 minutes feel like 30 seconds. And it's totally free to download. There's not dozens. There's not hundreds. There's thousands of these puzzles to play. So that means there's something new every single time. I'm I'm catching up to you. I know you're on level four thousand something. I'm I'm touching. Uh, you know, I'm coming around the corner here. I'm I'm almost there. I'm at like three ninety nine. Oh, good. Well, I'm almost at five thousand now. So you got a ways to go, buddy. And with Best Fiends, the adorable characters, they the collectible characters, they just keep coming. And Best Fiends, they release new challenges, characters, and themes all the time, just to keep you on your toes. Tim, there's so much to love about this game. I really want our listeners to give it a try and to let us know if you love it as much as we do. So download this five-star rated puzzle game, Best Fiends, for free today on the App Store or Google Play. And that's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Hit the road, ah. Big thanks to our sponsor, BetterHelp. Lance, BetterHelp cares about people. They want you to be happy. And what interferes with your happiness? Something that interferes with my happiness, Tim, is you know. Turn on the news. You're going to get something that's going to interfere with that happiness. And you need something to kind of get yourself out of it. And how do you avoid the news? You know, and it's really not safe to avoid the news completely. So I see where you're coming from with that. But you know what really helps, Lance, is better help. They can assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You connect in a safe and private online environment. It's so convenient. And you can start communicating in under 24 hours. This is not self-help. This is professional counseling. And you can send a message to your professional counselor anytime and you get a timely and thoughtful response. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. All without ever having to sit in a stupid, uncomfortable waiting room, Lance. Don't get you started on that. We all know how Tim feels about uncomfortable waiting rooms. Well, BetterHelp, though, they're committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. And they've already omitted the uncomfortable waiting room. So I'm all in. And it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling. Even still, financial aid is available. The service is available for clients worldwide. And there's a broad range of expertise available, which might not be locally available in many areas. And licensed professional counselors are specialized in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBTQ matters, grief, self-esteem, Anything you share is confidential. And it's convenient, and it's professional, and it's affordable, and we've said it before, and if you don't believe us, check out the testimonials posted daily on their website. It is not a crisis line, and in fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So we want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash crawlspace. Tim, over 1 million people can't be wrong because that is the number of people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash crawlspace. 
I'd love to get back to the the help that you've been giving to people for other cases. Yeah. Is this something that's going to be more of like your full-time uh, gig? All right. Tell us about that. I was actually supposed to go back to school in March to get my certificate for a victim to be a victim's advocate. And unfortunately, my husband lost his job, you know, during COVID and all this crap. Um, everything went on. He lost his job. He was out of work for a month. It was kind of, it was kind of messed up because I'm the type of person that is always giving. I pay it forward all the time. And so in February, I helped a single mom pay her light bill just to be helping. I reached out some, you know, online, put it out there. I had some extra money. Who needs help? So I pay a woman's light bill one month. The next month, my husband loses his job. So here I am like, oh, God, now I need help, you know. But luckily, he was only out of work for a month. He got in, he found another good job. So, but going back to school, got it got kind of put on hold because he lost his job and I didn't have the money to go back to school. But yeah, I'm going, I'm going to go back to school and get my certificate to be a victim's advocate. And I'm hoping to go a little further and maybe get some scholarships or something, some kind of help with tuition to, to uh, do criminology. Cause I, won't, I, I have, a, I just have this, I've seen it. If you have a title with your name, people take you more seriously. And I want to be able to help other people. And I'm not, I'm not the type, I don't know how to do podcasts or any of that. I can't, I mean, I can get on a live stream and tell people, hey, tell me your story, you know, and share it. I don't mind to do that. But I have no idea how to set all that stuff up to do what y'all do. So props to y'all because y'all got y'all shit together. <laughs> Well, you, yeah, you only <laughs> see what the camera shows you. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of optics, a lot of smoke and mirrors over here. <laughs> what um, what kind of certificate? Uh, I'm curious. And and uh, you your you your ideal role is like a position with a DA's office or the GBI or something like that. Now, see, I live. I don't live in Georgia. We moved from Georgia to Alabama years ago. DJ oh. got killed in Georgia. I would love to work with. A D, the DA here, you know, because if you have your certificate as a victim's advocate, you can work with a DA and you work with all sorts of victims. You work with, you know, uh, homicide victims, you work with sexual assault victims, you work with children that have been in, you know, a, a bad home or, I mean, any kind of victim, you can work with all of them. And I would love to do that because the very first course it teaches you how to handle a crisis, like a crisis situation, what to do. I already know what to do. I've already been through all that, you know, and I think the best advocate for someone is someone that's been through the trauma and been through all this. I think the second course is the civil rights, knowing the civil rights for a victim. And so, yeah, I would love to know all that and be able to say, hey, they violated his civil rights. You need to do this, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you also, like, if you have a uh, a woman in a domestic violence home, a victim's advocate can help them with shelter, you know, transportation, stuff like that. So, yeah, I would love to do that. I love that. That is really cool. That's amazing. It's so good to hear that you're doing something uh, proactive and productive uh, in light of this tragedy. Uh, do you want to instill this or or would you ever want to encourage um dj's children to to follow in your footsteps or to do something in the criminal justice uh arena at some point would you ever encourage that 
Yeah, of course. I would. Oh, God, that would be awesome. You know, there's three of them. There's twin, the two twins and then the older little boy. It'd be amazing if, like, you know, they could be, one could be an attorney, could, you know, work in the sheriff's department and the, you know, the private investigator or something like that. That would be amazing. We'd have our own little family of superheroes. I will say, I will, okay, I'll let you on to my little secret that only my friends know. My mental health has gone to hell. It's like out the window. I have isolated myself so bad that I never leave the house. I will completely ignore my phone. People will text, people will call. I just ignore my phone. I don't pay any attention to it. I usually like pick it up once a week and respond to people. And I'm, I'm, I'm just like, I'm just, I'm like backed into a corner and I don't want to come out. And so when you ask me, do you want to do the get vocal? I was like, yeah, because I need this social interaction. You know, I need to be forced into doing this. And it's the, it's the, the, it's the anxiety and the panic attacks and the depression and the post-traumatic stress disorder. That's what's causing all this. You know, it's, it's causing me to isolate myself. I have a lot of trust issues and of, of course, you know, who wouldn't, but I left, I went with my husband yesterday to town to go pick up groceries at grocery pickup. We order them online and we pick them up. That was the first time I have literally left my house since the eighth of the month. So what, two weeks? And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. And that's not normal. So yeah, there's a couple people in here that are, you know, close to me that they interact with me online and on my cell phone and stuff. They know, you know, they know that I'll ignore them. I, I isolate myself. I don't talk to them. I'm short when I do talk to them. So I got to get out of that. It's I know it's a mental thing. I was I was seeing therapists. I've seen so many counselors and psychiatrists and therapists, and I know I need to go back and see one again. But I don't want to leave the house to go see one. So I'm tr trying to find one online, like a, a telehealth deal to get me past that point to where I can get out of the house to go see one. So, yeah, that's my little secret. But since I'm doing them so great, no, I'm not. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing. Hopefully that that alone will might help you a little bit. Um, and we're happy to hang out here with you and talk about you know, your brother's case and everything. I mean, this is a place where this is what we do every Thursday night. We just hang out and talk. So this is a perfect place to be social. And, and yeah, that was, you know, it's it kind of, when I said, yes, it was, a, it's a commitment. When I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. So when you asked me and I said, yes, I had no choice but to do it. So it was kind of a forced thing. And thank you, you know, because I need this. I need the interaction. You know, I need the social interaction with people and stuff. It, it helps a lot. And then, of course, when I get offline, I'll go crawl back into my hole, you know, for a couple of days. But I just, I, I need to get out of it. I know I do. It's not healthy. So, yeah, I'm trying. You know, the, the past year and a half has really done a lot of damage to people. Uh, and we're not going to see the actual, like, results of that or repercussions. We're, it's not going to be totally um, understood for many years to come let alone having something like what happened to you, what happened to DJ, coupled in with what happened to us the last year and a half. Like, no one was going anywhere. And, and then add on to that that I was fighting cancer. You know, I, ex I, I was Exactly. Told, 
December, the week before Christmas, December of 2020, I was in remission and I was like, great, you know, my immune system's good. I'm doing things and then, no, you can't. (laughs) You're trapped in your house because the pandemic's hit. But here's the thing. You're you're here. You're still here. It was a tragedy what happened to DJ. You, you're, you fought that. You're winning that. You were diagnosed with cancer. You're winning that. And you're still here. And, and this not going outside, like, you're going to go back to, you know, I think you said crawl into the hole that you've gone back to. I would just suggest you do one thing that's outside of what you normally do. And then make that a habit because all it is is breaking habits. All and and I and I'm not, I don't want to oversimplify it, but no, that's like, you're you're right. Yeah, I've gotten comfortable to isolating myself and being away from people because if I'm not around people, they can't hurt me. They you know yeah. they can't do anything to me, and so it's 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 like what I said. It's a mental thing. I have told myself if I stay to myself, if I stay in this house, if I stay, you know, don't talk to anybody, nobody can f- me over. Nobody can, you know, lie to me. Nobody can piss me off, you know. So that's what I've done. And it's not good. I'm, I'm trying, it's like, it's like my brain is trying to tell myself to protect myself. Yeah. You know, but I just got to beat it out of me or something because I got to get back out there. I'm still fighting, but I'm just doing it at home. <laughs> <laughs> no, and that's great. And and I don't know if we intended to talk about this when we started the conversation, but we were saying like how slow the process is with anything that you're fighting against. Like it's a slow process. So it's like one thing at a time, but before you know it, you'll be going out. You you'll if you if you make these gradual steps towards doing it, your brain will start saying, okay, this feels normal now. This feels a little bit normal. This feels much more normal. And I mean, take it for what it is. Like, really, I, I, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just behind a <laughs> microphone. Hey, but, you're Dr. Crawlspace. <laughs> so do you play piano? I can play a little bit, yeah. No, I'm not going to play for y'all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, then you, don't show up it. with a piano behind yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I taught myself... Um, I'm a huge music lover. Like music is my everything. It gets me through every mood that I'm in. It's music. I've been like that since I was a teenager. And it's kind of funny because growing up as a teenager, I stayed in my bedroom listening to music and I have a 10 year old and all she does now is say she stays in her bedroom listening to music. So it's like I've passed that down to her. But yeah, I taught myself I can't read notes. I can't read music. I play by ear. I, t- I told you she wouldn't play, Lance. I know. Yeah, you were saying no matter how much you beg. I said, no way. She can show up with a piano behind her and she won't play for us live <laughs> on this get phone call. There you go. That's what you get. <laughs> okay, that was good. Thank you. I've even taught my 10-year-old she can play Mary Had a Little Lamb. And we're working on Happy Birthday, the Happy Birthday song. But yeah, I'm ta- I'm, a, I'm a talented person i can do any damn thing I, I used to do the custom cakes make custom cakes i can make a cake look like anything in the world i could build anything furniture anything like that I, t-shirts i made t-shirts i can do the decals play piano i used to paint and sketch and draw i could do all that and since i had my cancer the surgery to remove all the cancer they messed my arm up really bad in my neck because they cut me from the top of my all the way around to here so i can't raise my arm up no more than like shoulder length 
so and then all the muscles and tendons in down into my hand i can't do anything i can't even pick up a gallon of milk with my right hand that's how bad it is so i can't do hardly anything anymore and i think that has a lot too to do with isolating myself you know i, I feel i almost feel hopeless like useless yeah that's the word useless because i'm not able to do all the stuff that i used to be able to do and it sucks well that's bull you're not useless. I know I'm not useless. Yeah. Because I have, you, as long as I have a mouth, I'm I'm useful, you know? <laughs> right. I'm, I'm, right. I blast people every day, you know? <laughs> and I love when Lance said that you were winning this battle for your brother. And he's right. You are winning it. It might not feel like it every day, but it is true. I do. The, I feel that way. Because when they changed the manner of death on DJ, I told, I told my, I was thinking, holy shit. I took on the entire state of Georgia and I won. I got what I was after. I got what I had my mind set on and I won. So I was thinking, okay, the the state was the easy part. Or I was thinking the state was the hard part, that the county would be the easy part. No, the county was the hard part because at the time the sheriff made the remark on <laughs> No, I'll try to reach out to him for five years to get him to talk to us. He never spoke to us in five years. Never. Uh, and it's not from lack of trying. Even if it was a suicide, I think a sheriff should at least sit down and give the condolences to the family, you know. But he would never speak to us. He would never see us. And it was funny because after GBI changed the manner of death and a news crew showed up down there at his jail, his sheriff's department, he jumped in front of that camera and made the remark that changing the manner of death is not a reason to reopen the case. If anything, it convolutes the case and that he was still leaning towards the fact that nobody killed DJ. And I posted that online to everybody and people were like, has this idiot not ever looked at this case file? How is he leaning towards nobody killed DJ when there's so much evidence there that shows otherwise? There's that, too. My God, I'm so sick of hearing about these stories where it's like, we can't, you know, if anything, it convolutes it. We can't reopen the case. You know, just do justice. Just do your job. Do your job that you were getting paid by us, taxpayers that are paying you to yeah. do a job, and then you don't even have the dignity to see us or talk to us what, what is that and holy shit you made a mistake holy shit own it that's the thing about it they don't even have to admit that they made a mistake because i already know they did and so so does everybody else that knows dj's case they don't have to admit it just fix it do the right thing that's all you gotta do just fix it make uh. it right I'm not going anywhere. I mean, I have my bad days. I always said that I had bad days and worse days, and this changed. I have good days and bad days now. I'm a fighter. My mom always said that I had to have the last word or die. I was hard-headed and stubborn, and it's paying off now. So, And good. I don't take no for an answer. This is really frustrating because nothing has ever taken this long for me to get what I wanted out of it. But I'm not. I'm not giving up because... Me getting DJ justice is not just for me and our family and for DJ. It's for all the other victims out there that, you know, their kid's death was ruled suicide when it wasn't and they knew it wasn't. A win for me is a win for everyone else. 
It gives them hope. person goes missing, their loved ones often find themselves overcome with worry and grief. Bruce Maitland started the 501c3 nonprofit organization Private Investigations for the Missing because he knows this feeling all too well. When Bruce's daughter Brianna disappeared in March 2004, he was surrounded by licensed private investigators dedicated to finding her. Now his mission is to provide dedicated private investigators at no cost to other families of the missing, desperate for answers but without the financial means. Private Investigations for the Missing needs your help. To read the mission statement, make a donation, and keep up with our blog, visit us at investigationsforthemissing.org and follow us at PI for the Missing on Twitter and Facebook and Investigations for the Missing on Instagram. Because forever is too long to wait.